people forget that it took over a hundred years for us to develop the electric grid that we have now. I think America has a lot of ingenuity and I think we can get there. It's not your father's nuclear power plant. I'm happy to have on the show today, Katherine Johnson. She's the president of Johnson Consulting Group. What they do is energy efficiency consulting for analysis that makes sense. She's been in this industry for 30 years. What are some of the major issues you think we need to address in the energy sector? I think the fact is right now we are proceeding with a policy and at a pace that we frankly are, isn't realistic. We've been talking about heat pumps. I've been promoting geothermal heat pumps for most of my career and heat pumps in general. Big fan of electricity, big fan of natural gas too, by the way. But I think this headlong approach that we currently have pushing us towards electrification and electric vehicles and solar and wind, while they're all important, we just don't have the infrastructure in place. We don't have the grid. We don't have the power. We don't have the training. We don't have the technical skills. We don't have the people to do the job. And people forget that it took over 100 years for us to develop the electric grid that we have now. And it didn't happen overnight, and it didn't happen in five or 10 years. In fact, we didn't even have rural electrification in the farming areas until the 1930s. So it's very unrealistic to think that in five or 10 or 15 years, we're going to be able to electrify everything, especially when most of the electricity is still generated from coal and natural gas. And people are forgetting that too. So I think it's a wonderful, ambitious, aspirational goal. But right now we are, don't have the infrastructure in the processes and, po and policies even to do a good job. And one of the things I talk, I have a little TV show myself, and one of the things I talk about every week is the stuff that people are, they're one part of the administration wants to do something else. But here we have over in the Department of Energy, another part that's actually promoting coal. And I'm wondering, okay, where is the strategy for it? Where is the holistic vision? Or are we just going to keep putting money here and putting money there and not really have a solution? I think America has a lot of ingenuity and I think we can get there. But we're not going to get there in 10 or 15 years, nor should we have to. We're not running out of things. We have an unlimited supply of coal, and we can actually make it cleaner. And we're now discovering nuclear, modular nuclear power plants that are probably going to be a really important part of the energy future. So I think a lot of this has become politicized. And to my mind, energy efficiency is a nonpartisan issue. It means you use less of a resource and you use it more effectively and it's cheaper in the long run. It's better for the environment. It shouldn't. And I think it's been politicized and that's a problem. What differentiates a modular nuclear power plant versus some of the older versions? This is a really great question because it's not your father's nuclear power plant or your grandfather's. It's basically smaller. It can actually fit on the size of a truck and it uses less heavy water. And it's basically a self-contained unit and it can generate, obviously it won't generate as much nuclear power as say a big nuclear power plant will, but it's really designed to be basically transported to areas, maybe rural areas or areas where they've had power outages and give or give air power to like, they're looking at it in Alaska because there's a lot of remote villages up there and they have to use very expensive diesel to generate, to turn their generations. And if you can bring in modular nuclear into Alaska, you'll help raise the standard of living, reduce their costs, and make their world better. So it's basically a power plant that fits on the side of a barge or a truck, and it can be moved around. It's still, they're experimenting with, in fact, the national labs are experimenting with it, but they've had some really good testing, and they are testing it in Alaska right now to see if it actually works as a viable solution. So that's probably three or four years away, but not 20 years away. 
but but it takes about 20 years to get a nuclear power plant approved in the United States anyway. This might be a faster way to get it done. And this is something that it doesn't need to tie into the grid? No, because it's not really because it's self-generated. It'll tie into the local grid. It doesn't need to tie into the national grid. It'll generate electricity. So it'll tie into, say, a town's grid, but it doesn't need to be hooked up back to this large grid that we have. That And the grid is really just a set of interconnection points from different utilities. And frankly, no one really knows who owns which electron when it goes through the grid. It's just everybody's sort of feeding the power to this one cell, say, one place that then is dispersing it. So it doesn't need the same level of infrastructure that you say have to have for a wind turbine, which does have to connect to a grid and then has to be connected to, then has the electricity has to be transmitted over distances to then generate, to provide the power. Here, they're actually right, there's not a lot of distance. They're right in the community where they're needed to serve. So you have a, it's a faster and more efficient distribution as well as transmission and generation system. So since I'm not us, a nuclear physicist, so that's about the extent of my knowledge. I like a pragmatic look at this type of thing. <laughs> exactly. Give you so a faster, better, cheaper. 100 cheap years to build the grid to where it is today, so we can't expect it to change overnight. Is there ways to have power that is generated without it being connected to the grid as an alternative solution? Yeah, there are. People have been playing around with solar power on their solar power on their roof. Sorry, I'm from the Midwest. I say roof solar power on the roof or solar PV panels in their farm fields or, and that connects the back to their home. And then they try to sell the electricity back to the u- utility. That's what was that's happening in California quite a bit. There was a big push about 10 years ago for California homeowners to put solar PVs on their roof and then sell it back to the power companies. Unfortunately, now the power companies are realizing they're losing money and they don't want that. So now they're putting up really high tariffs against that net metering no, basically they're saying, oh, that was a bad idea for us, the power companies, not a bad idea for you guys. So solar power is a very contentious issue now in parts of America because the utilities are realizing that they can't, they don't necessarily want to have all that cheap power available. But the tricky part with solar and the same with wind is it's intermittent. So the sun doesn't always shine, the wind doesn't always blow, and that's why we still need a base load support. And there's batteries can do it to some degree. But you still need to really have some sort of well-insulated house. It doesn't make sense to put solar on your roof if you have a leaky roof or a leaking windows or an energy inefficient home because then you're going to lose more energy and it's never really going to make sense. I call it energy efficiency vegetables before renewable desserts, meaning you need to get your house in order and then it'll actually make more sense. But unfortunately, most people don't really think that insulation and energy efficient water heaters, all that exciting. They just want to go to the, oh, let me show the solar power panel on my roof. And I'm like, only if you have insulation, does that make sense? So there's a lot of, there are ways and people do live off the grid, but they live very, very, I think, deprived lives. They're not living the full rich life that Americans have with their four TVs and their six phone connectors and a bunch of gaming systems. People who live off the grid have to be very delicious, very careful about how they use their electricity. So that's my concern. One of the fun things I worked on a project years ago was solar water heating in Hawaii. And that actually makes a lot of sense because in Hawaii, you don't need air conditioning. The hotels do, but normal human beings, the residents don't need it. The wind is beautiful blowing and the solar water heater, that way you don't have to use their electricity, which is very expensive to generate. They can use the electricity from the sun and solar water heating actually makes a lot of sense. And water heaters act like a battery and they can store the energy and it's a much better solution. They're also doing that in Israel. They don't allow you to have solar 
we only, have, only allow you to have solar water heaters. They don't allow you to have regular water heaters because it's energy, energy efficient. And they have a lot of sun. So in those places, that kind of technology makes sense. And then the customers can benefit it. And of course, then they don't have to pay really expensive electricity to heat their water. So those types of solutions work, but it has to be really localized to the area that people are living. Yeah, you're not plugging your Tesla in to your no, self-contained no. system. And it might actually, your Tesla might actually blow up. So Yeah, yeah that wouldn't be yeah, good. It does. It, and, or stop. I, the Hyundai Iconic cars just stopped on the highway at 75 miles an hour. They just stopped. Not. So electric vehicles, they're good, but I'm still not really sold. I think hybrids are the way to go for at least another few years. So what would your advice be to young entrepreneurs wanting to get started in business? I think you need to be, one of the things is, I think you need to assume you don't know everything. When that's something that happens a lot, maybe I'm just old now, but when I was coming up and I used to assume I knew nothing. And that was a good strategy because one, you don't want to be perceived as smarter than your boss. That happened to me a couple of times that I got fired. So that's not good. And it wasn't because I was arrogant. I just made them look bad. I didn't realize it was. I asked questions and they're like, oh no. But, but I think it's important to be humble. And to realize that even though you may have all this book knowledge about how things work, and maybe you're a brilliant scientist or a brilliant engineer, there's a lot of soft skills that need to be cultivated in the workplace, like understanding and lear learning when to not say anything. Sometimes listening is more important than talking. And that took me a long time to learn, but it's really valuable, especially as a consultant. And to not have to feel like you have to jump in and offer your opinion all the time. I think listening and taking notes and then also developing mentors. I've had a lot of really good mentors in my life, people who are maybe in different industries, but like maybe they were working for a different company or they were in the gas utility and I worked in something else, but we became friends and they would help me along. And then I found out later that I actually unintentionally was a mentor to some of the other women in my field who were coming up behind me just because they would call me up and they would know they could ask me questions. They could say, Catherine, I have this question about how to do this. And I wasn't like, why are you bothering me? It's oh, that's fine. Let's talk about it. And guess what? Those mentors, those people that I helped now are in positions where they hire me. So there's this notion that not everything has to be down to a price transaction. It doesn't, you're not going to always, everything's going to be a dollar. It's more about building a network and building resources that within your own community, professional or otherwise, where you could actually use those to help not only your skills, but I learned from these folks too. I learned from people that are 20, 30 years younger than I am. And I learn a lot. And then we share and we, and they learn. So it becomes a, a very much more productive environment than just having the consultant come in from out of town and proclaim something. So I think anytime you can learn from others and realize that you may know the book knowledge, but there's a lot more to that. There's the soft skills, there's understanding people, there's taking your turn, taking time. It doesn't have to be a big rush all the time. I think we don't spend time cultivating those relationships that frankly are what makes business successful. The old boys network is not a myth and we need it too. There's a Socrates quote I like. It's the one thing I know is I know nothing. That's a good one. I do that too. I say that a lot, even though I know more than I think. But then again, I've often as an evaluator, you're coming in and you're asking to say to this program, come in and the regulators are saying you have to come up with a report that sort of evaluates their work. And so I'm talking to the folks that have been implementing the program probably for 10, five, 10 years. I'm talking to the program manager whose job's on the line, I'm talking to the upper management who really don't want to do these programs, but they have to. 
And I've learned a long time ago that I'll never know as much as they know about their program. And all I can do is help understand the piece that I'm looking at. And by not being threatening and not coming in like I'm the auditor, technically I am, but I don't want to be the IRS auditor. I want to be their partner and I want to help them make their programs better because if the programs are better, it's better for the customers and the long run is better for the utility. They won't get complaints. The regulatory commission will be mad at them. The utilities will meet their goals. And so it's just good business. And every other business I know of does evaluation as a matter of course. The utility industry, for some reason, has to have it regulated. And I'm like, this is crazy because that's just how they are. They're monopoly. And what do they care what customers think? <laughs> Catherine, if our listeners wanted to get in touch with you or your company, how would they do that? A couple ways. My website is Johnson Consults, C-O-N-S-U-L-T-S dot com. I'm also on the KJ show on the Volbrave TV network every Wednesday at 11 a.m. It's also a podcast on everything, Spreaker and so it's the KJ show. And then I'm also, you could just email me at kjohnson at Johnson Consults. And there I am. Happy to chat with you anytime. Thank you, Catherine, for coming on the show. And thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of Failing to Success. I'm your host, Chad Kalecki with Cosmic Web Design Development. Make sure to subscribe, press that subscribe button, and we'll see you next time. Yeah.